you can introduce yourself, please. Absolutely. Um, my name is Montressa Trips. Um, I have been a resident of Baltimore City uh, the majority of my life. Um, I am currently a, a community health worker where I do outreach in the community, providing harm reduction tools, as well as um, overdose education and distribution of naloxone. I, um, I just uh, really enjoy being in the community, engaging individuals, giving resources, uh, talking with them about what they may need to help them live successful lives. Yeah. Tell us like what a typical day looks like for you with your work. So with my work in outreach, um, I generally um, have a lot of sites through the city where we go in saturated areas of uh, drug activity and we distribute Narcan. Um, a typical day, is uh, going on one of the major corners in Baltimore City, um, standing outside, uh, talking with individuals, engaging them, giving them resources, as well as the overdose reversal um, medication of Narcan. Um, during those times, I get to familiarize myself with the day-to-day -day thoughts and activities of average Baltimore City citizens. I really find it thrilling just to be able to sit and talk with those that have been in certain communities for years and they express to me what they see and tell me how they believe change can come. So on a daily basis, that, that's part of my day. The other parts of my day, I collaborate and interact with a lot of different uh, Baltimore City agencies to assist them in getting the information out there to, to the citizens as they need it. I'm gonna keep going with a couple more questions about your work because I find it really amazing and um, intriguing and not something I know a lot about. So if you don't mind answering a few more questions. So um, I guess one question is what brought you to do this work? You know, how did you get involved in that type of work? Um, actually, it was the blessing of receiving a job as a outreach worker. Um, I was looking for part-time work while I was pursuing my bachelor's degree. Um, in doing that, uh, I was fortunate enough to come across an agency that was willing to hire me. Um, I started from the ground up. Um, I moved through, um, and in speaking with them at the interview, what really um, engaged me and excited me was the fact that I could do what I love best and that's give information. I love to talk to individuals and, and express to them something they might not have known prior, you know, or even get information that I didn't know about. You have a lot of history, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of historians that are just average citizens that know so much about the city. And it really fascinates me when there are those that feel comfortable enough to speak freely about their own life experiences. So that kind of drew me to the position um, and allowed me to just flourish within 
in that organization. Um, and how is how are you received when you're out on a major court, you know, corner in Baltimore? Like, are are you met with any kind of uh, adversity, or are people welcoming to you being out there? You know, how do you approach that work? Um, I, I approach that work with um, an authenticism that that just literally goes, okay, I'm willing to listen to you. Are you willing to listen to me? Um, there's not a lot. Uh, I believe that uh, I am received openly. Um, uh, in the few years that I have been doing this work, there has been little pushback unless um, the conversation gets overly heated with someone else who butted, who kind of like intruded on the conversation, but um, uh, we're welcomed. We're um, the group that I work with, we're um, expected, you know, they look for us for the, the information as well as the um, harm reduction tools we are able to supply them with. So that's been a great part of it. Um, the thing that surprised me a lot with this position was that even in the current state of things, uh, average individuals are open to talk with you if you're willing to explain to them what it is you're offering. You know, not just come up here, take this, I got this for you, it's free. You know, sometimes free will get their attention, but the information after, afterwards and what it's free and what it's used for is the most important part. <clears throat> So now a little bit about the last few years, um, you know, what has your work looked like over the past couple of years of the pandemic and how is that different or, you know, uh, right. yeah, what, what have you been doing? Right. So um, the last few years um, was like a someone cut the light switch off in, in the world and all of us were walking around with candles. Right. Um, when COVID hit, uh, I was actually doing my last semester in, in a graduate school of graduate studies. And it was like, no more school, sit home. You've got to do it virtually. And this is what it is. So I had to kind of adapt. I had to bob, weave, pivot, every adjustment that came about in order to find some type of balance. Along with that, with school, that came the same with work because my work is in the community, um, forward facing uh, healthcare, you know, uh, information that we give. Uh, we literally had to find other ways to get those needed tools into the community. So that took a little, you know, as we say, ingenuity. And that was to make sure that the places that every average everyday citizens go to that might need them would be able to supply it to them by us supplying it to them. So if I go to the Dollar Tree and the Dollar Tree is in a community that's saturated and could possibly use it, that Dollar Tree has patrons that come in and some of those patrons need resources or need assistance. Overdoses uh, not timed. Overdoses are not seen 
on an average individual, not knowing what they might have, you know, digested before walking in a store. So those things were ways we were able to keep those supplies in the community. The average corner stores, barbershops, uh, phone stores, dollar stores, supermarkets. That's where we had to change from talking to everyone face to face to making sure everyone still had what they need freely. This wasn't something they had to walk in the store and say, here, can I purchase one of these? It was there for them and they knew that they could go to that store because we left it there for them. So it was a big change for us to um, stop the process of going out every day, talking to everyone in different areas, but we still were able to conduct our um, services, uh, not as normal, but at just as well as just as much. When the COVID-19 became a thing, <laughs> um, uh, did your role shift, uh, you know, in terms of what you were being asked to do in terms of healthcare or, um, yeah, what was that like for yeah. your conversations yeah. with community? Definitely, definitely. Um, there was a large demand and a large usage of PPE from masks. We had masks, we had sleeves, we had the uh, face shields. Um, we uh, supplied everyone with, um, as we gave out the Narcan, we supplied um, every the community with masks, with hand sanitizers for uh, my team and myself we actually um, wore these things on a regular basis in order to go conduct our day-to-day -day lives as well as to do the work we were asked to do. Were you afraid? Um, I'm a believer. I, I, I'm a, a, a believer. I'm a woman of strong faith. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's always some trepidation and fear that it could attack me. But they're, the, they're, I wouldn't say completely scared for myself. It was the fact that I could get it and give it to someone else. That was the biggest fear. That if I would, the work that I was doing, if I contracted it, that I would pass it on to those that I made, kept safe, you know, that were close to me. But uh, it was, it was um, a little uh, tumultuous, but it was, yeah. somewhat able to be done yeah yeah it sounds like you didn't stop you just found a way nope. to keep yes. doing the work that needed to be done mm -hmm. um, so when the vaccination came out how did you feel about that and um you know were you um are you are you vaccinated absolutely vaccinated and boosted and willing to get the next one if needed. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so when the vaccination came, when the vaccines came out, I, I, I'm somewhat of a person that does a little research before I totally invest in a theory or an idea um, that comes from my time in matriculation of a professor always saying, well, how do you perceive this and what's the underlining um, percept the underlining story behind what you're perceiving, right? Um, the vaccines, when they were coming out, when they were creating them, it was a thing of who did what work. 
what is the percentage of um, the test that they conducted on these vaccines and who did they conduct them on? Then, you know, you look at the, the, the statistics, you look at the numbers, you look at the manufacturers, you look at the small issues that might have came about in creating the vaccines. So I kind of was methodical on which vaccine I wanted, um, but I knew I was going to get it because it would make um, it would put a shield and a guard up for me to be able to continue doing what I needed to do. And it would also protect those around me. So there was very little um, hesitation about getting a vaccine. I know this from Ms. Gwen, but you can tell it how you want to, that you were very active in helping others get vaccinated, correct? Or correct. I'm curious yeah. how you did that because um, I, I have family that still isn't vaccinated and I, um, I know there's still yeah. a lot of fear around the vaccination. So curious how you, how you, <laughs> how you went through those steps with people. Right. So um, uh, I was the first in my uh, immediate family um, because of being a forward-facing health care worker. I was on that list to be first. Um, having elderly parents and a companion that has underlying conditions, um, they were, you know, it was like, okay, I'm setting you appointments. If need be, I'll take you and let's go do it. There was no questions. <laughs> there was no, no pushback when it came to them. Everyone was willing, ready and able. All of them are boosted, you know, and it's a thing where we want to stay alive. So, and we want to keep those around us alive. So let's just do it. Um, now to go with the younger generation, uh, the conversations with, uh, young adults was the most interesting things I have ever done. Um, and I'll give you this little antidote where, uh, I have a 28 year old son. And, and talking to him about the vaccine and saying, well, why won't you get it? Why won't you get it? He literally went to the refrigerator and got a magnet and put the magnet on my arm and stated that, don't you know that that's going to make you um, magnetize the vaccine? I said, really, do you really believe that? He said, I don't know, but I'm just checking. I said, okay, well, and it was it was still a, a a tussle with a lot of them and their friends and things of that nature. But when it came down to, well, do you want to work? Do you want to be able to go to the shows? Do you want to be safe around your children? I mean, how do you perceive being able to do that if you're in a community that doesn't want to get vaccinated from this deadly virus? that's killing people, um, if you don't want to get it, that makes you the odd man out. And therefore you won't be able to, you know, conduct things, uh, life as, as usual without it until we can all get, you know, some type of immunity. Uh, a lot of the uh, associates, his associates went on and got vaccinated, but he still wouldn't do it. So. It's still a it's still a, a a thing of trying to convince him that there's no harm in it, and 
it's better to have it than not to have it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that personal story. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah. So what about people um, in the community that you were facing, you know, in, interacting with? Um, were you yeah. talking to them? I'm sure they were asking you because yeah. they trust you as a healthcare worker, right? Correct. So because we promoted the vaccine and uh, testing sites, um, uh, the I would say it was about a 60-40 percentage. You had a 60% of individuals that said, yeah, I'm boosted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got my vaccines. Where can I go get it? Um, did you get it? Uh, what did it make you feel like? You had some stories whereas I was sick for the first shot, the second shot was okay, my arm hurt, little symptoms that some received, but it brought a uh, humanness to the conversation, you know, to let them know, you go ahead and get the shot. Your arm might hurt for a minute, but then next thing you know, you you um, protected from COVID or severe COVID symptoms, you know, things like that. So I think it was about a 60-40. Younger people were on the on the cusp of, yeah, I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna keep my job, you know. And some of them was, no, I'm not getting that shot. Don't need it. Don't want it. You know, things of that nature. But the the conversations were really real. You know, they were riveting. <laughs> what have you learned from all this? Like, or you know, how has your perspective changed or you know shifted over the last few years of all this? <sighs> It, it's it's not really a change. It's, it's more so of an obvious understanding that I'm gonna let that go by. That you know, individuals have a right to believe what they believe. You know, and if they're open and willing to hear the facts and listen to the information, maybe they'll receive an aha moment and go, okay, it's a possibility. Let me give it a try you know, experiencing something that not, that's not going to cause any harm to them or to anyone else. Um, I've learned that um, isolation can be tough because COVID kept a lot of people isolated, you know, and in a lot of ways, it brought out the humanity of average citizens who wanted to make sure that their neighbors and their community had necessities, you know, like food and water and things of that nature. I've learned that, that that's still there. A common compassion for an average individual is still there. You know, even though there are a lot of differences, there are a lot of similarities. And that one um, incident brought out the similarity of love and compassion from for one for one to another that was really nice <laughs> thanks um so as we hopefully get out of this uh what are your hopes you know for the future for your work for baltimore for the world i don't know <laughs> yeah it's so my hopes is that this this experience has taught us more than we knew from the beginning. You know, uh, it has put us on the cusp of being forward thinking and prepared in case there may be another uh, episode or um, epidemic that sweeps through and 
takes so many lives. Um, that's the one thing that I dislike most about this, uh, about COVID, is that so many people had to die for us to get a better understanding of what it is, what it does, and what it can do to, uh, to humanity, to a whole state of living. What COVID has really shown is that we are resilient people. You know, we are able to um, stumble, uh, make mistakes, uh, sometimes wrong choices, and we're still able to get back up. We're able to do what's needed for ourselves, our families, our community, and it's for the good of everyone, not just for personal achievement. You know, um, that's part of another thing that I enjoy about my work. It's it's not just for a paycheck. It's not just for um, uh, per se saying I'm doing something. It's the full action and the capacity to the ability to see how what I do has the capacity to help so many. Um, what we deliver and how we impact one community at one point is reached over to the next community because these things are shared. Um, the information is given to uh, someone that knew nothing about what we do. So it, it, it's really strengthened my belief that um, we're here on a full purpose. And a lot of times when we um, make use of our gifts that our purpose comes clear. And I love what I do. It's a thing where it's, it's, if someone has information that can help another individual, I'm going to make sure it gets out there. So that that's the best part of where um, we are with what we do and where I work. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I'm going to ask a couple more questions about your work because I am ignorant to what you do and how you do it. So I'm, I'm just in, also intrigued by it, but uh, do you ever get frustrated um, seeing, you know, people in Baltimore, like the drug issues day to day in Baltimore and like, do you, you seem like you have so much hope and I love your smile. And, and I feel like if it were me out on the streets trying to make sure people were, you know, not overdosing and, and and that kind of thing, I would get like hopeless really easily. So like, how do you, how do you keep your hope up? How do you not get frustrated? That kind of thing. Um, I, I keep I'm my being hope real up. With, yeah. I just want to be real and, and whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so to, to be real is being a person with lived experience. That's how I keep my hope up because I know where they are. I've, I've felt what they've felt to some extent because everyone experiences it differently. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there's a way out. Mm -hmm. There is a way through it. There is a way to find some peace and balance in, in life mm -hmm. um, that goes with the overdoses, that goes with the addiction, that goes with the drug distribution. There's a balance. There's a way to for, for those that are still in the grips and living um, living with 
addiction mm-hmm. to come through. And, and that's with information. You know, if you don't know a way out and you're feeling hopeless and depressed and um, that there's no way to come through what you're feeling at that moment, I see what we do as that, like I said before, that aha moment, that shining light, because you, it, they could see a pamphlet that we have, that we give out. We had a campaign and the campaign informed on how to test what you do before you use it, um, how to make sure you have a buddy system. Don't do it alone. Um, just information that average individuals take it upon themselves in order to want to feel better and not think about the circumstances or situation they're feeling better in. Mm -hmm. So I stay positive um, because I've been there. Um, I I keep hope because I know that there's a way to balance how you're feeling and what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and it, it also helps to be a woman of faith and to have a strong support system um, that, that helped bring me along. So, and that continues to help me today. That's one of my questions. Um, how do you take care of yourself? Uh, you know, with all over the last two years, especially, how do you take care of yourself? Well, I've, I've learned that self-care is very important. I've learned that moments of me time, uh, definitely, um, time with, uh, my higher power, um, and being able to have a community and a support system that I can talk to openly and freely. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that helps me stay afloat. Um, at any given moment, there's an emotion that might come over that has me feeling a little uh, dismayed, um, a little agitated. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have those three, those four things that we say halt, never get hungry, never get angry, never get lonely, never get tired. You can't get too far in those things to whereas you're unable to pull yourself out. Mm. So I think about that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what neighborhood do you live in? I actually, I actually live in the Penn, Penn, in between Penn North and Upton area. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So as you know, this, this is a very, very, um, a uh, busy, uh, fluctuating area. Um, they, they're rebuilding, they're doing some beautiful things in the area, but uh, as well as providing programs for individuals that might need assistance, mental health and substance abuse, um, they're, they're working on trying to give the community what it needs. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. When one of us is suffering, we're all suffering on some level, right? You know. Yes. Indeed. 